time for Bump and Run, the podcast all about golf. Here are your hosts, Bob and Jamie. Welcome to another edition of Bump and Run. Hello there, Mr. Bump. Hello there, Mr. Run. How are you doing today? Doing fantastic. How about you? Doing great. Huh? It's uh, it's good to uh, it's good to be back. We missed a week, but uh, we're we're sort of hit and miss lately. I don't know. It's been rather sketchy. We have to fix that, don't we? I know. Yeah, we should. We have not been regular. We need to take some Metamucil or something. <laughs> okay. To... <laughs> <That's> <laughs> you've been, you know, you've been away. You're at the U.S. Open. Unfortunately, I missed this year, and then you're shooting your Asante stuff. Yes. CFL season started. So you, that's right. Yeah. And well to make up for that, here's what we're gonna do. We're gonna give one lucky listener a dozen of the new Titleist A V X golf balls. These are um nice. in the stores now, but there's they're hard to come by. So this right. is a cool gift. Twelve A V X golf balls. These are the uh, new Titleist uh golf ball. And at the end of our program I'm gonna play you an interview I did with Michael Mahoney, who's the um, basically the ball guy at Titleist, and he's going to tell you all about these new AVX balls and why uh, why they're so good and what kind of a player should use them. Mm-hmm. And it's an interesting kind of uh, release, what they did with this golf ball. So they, they brought it out last fall, but only in like three markets. They wanted to see if it was actually going to work or not. And so they created, I mean, I, I, I accuse them of doing a marketing campaign. They had released it like in Florida and California. Right. But uh, they said no. They just wanted to really test it. These markets were up in golfing, so the response was good. They actually put a card, as you'll hear in the interview, they put a response card in each of the players uh, or each of the boxes and got people, encouraged people to respond and tell them what they thought about the golf ball. But anyway, it's a good, great, cool golf ball, and our buddy Mitch Dawson over at Titleist mm-hmm. has given me a dozen to give away. So this is how what we want you to do. We want you to tell us about the craziest shot you've had this year, craziest golf shot, and what happened on it? Give us a description. Do it on Twitter. You can do it to at uh, TSN Golf or at Bob Weeks TSN. That's right. And our ne- on our next show, we'll read a few of the responses and then we'll uh, give out uh, the dozen golf balls. How's that? That sounds like a great idea. Okay. So, what's the craziest shot you've hit this year? I haven't golfed yet, so I don't have a crazy <laughs> shot. <laughs> I'm starting to play now. I played my fourth round of the year this week. Um, I'm trying to think what the craziest shot I've hit this week. I, oh, here's the craziest shot. Yes, uh, no, on Monday I was playing, and I hit a guy. <laughs> I've never done that before. <laughs> and not just a guy, but an 87-year-old man. I oh, hit him no. in the arm from like a 190 out. Um, I thought, like I saw these guys, they were in the group ahead of us, and it's kind of a dip. It's a little bit of a blind hole. So I couldn't see them on the green, but I knew they were, I was waited, and I watched, and they put the flag back in. I could see that. And then they went up the hill to the next hole, but I didn't count enough. I didn't count four guys. There was still one right. guy I couldn't see. So I hit this shot, and of course, as soon as it's in the air, I can see the guy, and it's going right for him. Oh, so man. I yelled, and I yelled four, 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 and then it hit him right in the arm, and I sprinted after him. He went down. I didn't know who it was, and it finds out it's this 87-year-old guy. Anyway, he was he was fine. He kept playing. Walking, by the way. That's, walking at 87. Wow. That's amazing. But I felt awful. I've never had... Have yeah, you ever hit no anybody? Kidding. I have. Yeah, I have... Uh, I have and I've been hit, um, wow. both. But uh, most of the, the mine wasn't because I played up. It was because uh, some tees were just closer to greens, and okay. you know you pull it a little bit and uh, you're yelling four. But I got someone. Boy, yeah. Well, it's not. It's not fun. It's not a fun feeling, but it does happen. Yeah, the next two holes, I think I went triple bogey, triple bogey, or something. I was really shaken up by it all. 
but you, sh- you shouldn't anyway. have hit your uh, eight iron from 190. Yeah, I know. It's a hybrid, and I never hit that hybrid very well, actually. I was thinking, oh, this is going to go in the creek in front Isn't of the green. Isn't that the way? Yeah, I know. Uh, all right, moving on to other things. We've got a major, two majors this week, actually. That's and, right. And uh, the, the biggest one, I think, as far as Canadian golf is concerned, no, I guess that's, that's not fair to say. One of the biggest ones is the LPGA. It's not actually an LPGA event. It's the PGA uh, Women's Championship, KPMG. And, of course, mm-hmm. Brooke Henderson won this two years ago, finished uh, one Second. shot out last yeah. year. And actually, I forgot, in her first year, uh, she got a sponsor invite to this tournament, and she finished tied for fifth. Yeah, she's had a real good run at this tournament. What What do you think, uh, what are your expectations now of, uh, of her for this week? Well, I think, um, you know, I think because she took last week off, which is rare to say for Brooke Henderson, as we've, all, we've commented about how much she plays, but... Um, I think this Kemper Lakes, it's it's wet right now, and the, most of the pro-am yesterday got rained out. Um, I I think she'll do well because I think the course sets up for her. She's a longer hitter. Um, you know, again, where is it going to come down to? Greens for her. Um, she'll hit the ball. She'll hit the ball well, and I expect her to contend. She, I think uh, that's I think that's her expectation every time she tees it up in a major or any golf tournament. She's that good. She's she's changed putters again. It was funny yesterday in the press conference. They asked her. They said, "How many times have you switched putters this week or this year?" And she sort of went um, four or five. Like she wasn't even <laughs> sure. <laughs> so she's got a new uh, she's got a new version of the Ping Crazy putter, which is kind of a mallet um, perimeter weighted putter. And she used this when she won her first tournament on the LPGA Tour. Style like this. This is an updated version right. of it. So she's got that in the bag, and she says. She's she's going to switch a lot because she just likes wants to look down and feel comfortable over it. There's no science to it. She just wants to look down and say, oh, yeah, this is going to work today. And if there's any good indication that it did work is she used it at the CVS Charity Classic on uh, the start of the week on Monday. Right. And she won again with Keegan Bradley yeah, and Billy Andre. So that's the second year in a row that they've won that. Uh, also in the tournament, Brittany Marchand, AC Tange, and Monami LeBlanc. So that's, and Elena um, Sharp. And Elena Sharp, excuse me. So I think... I think actually I don't think AC's in it. I think it's Brittany. Marshall. She is AC. AC Tanga okay. is in it. Yeah, okay. she's. I think she got in later because she wasn't on the initial field list. But she is playing with Brittany Marshall That's in the right. first two rounds. That's right. And Brittany Marshall's been quite a story. She's played pretty well. Yes. Uh, on limited starts this year, so good for her. Good for her, and uh, hopefully Elena Sharp. I had a chance to chat with her a couple of weeks ago, and she switched coaches. Um, she's making some strides with some new swings, and just just you know change for change sake. I think is what right. happened. Uh, so I'm glad to see that, uh, that that's working. Um, the U.S. Senior Open is on as well, and there are right. six six Canadians. A lot, in the of, field lot there. of lot of Canadians. Yeah, Canadian. some, some old, if you're a veteran guy like me, you'll recognize some of the names. Like Ian Doig mm-hmm. is in it. Uh, Rick Todd, who had I think a year on the PGA Tour and played some on the what was then the Nike Tour, was the coach at University of Texas El Paso. Right. Uh, and our good buddy Phil Jonas, Phil who Jonas. used to do some broadcasting with us. That's He's right. And also Stephen Names, of course, he's the uh, the top guy out there. So good luck to those guys. They're playing at the Broadmoor out in Colorado. And John Daly won't be playing. That was weird, wasn't it? <laughs> Isn't that weird? <laughs> he wanted he wanted an exemption to use a golf cart because he's got a bad knee, and he's got the American with Disabilities Act uh, behind him. He's basically got like you know how we have this, the, the the little stickers on your car so you can park in the handicap right. spot. You kind of have to prove that you're handicapped. Well, he's got that kind of designation in the United States, and he said that should be good enough to get him a cart. 
And according to the USGA, they said, no, it's not. We need more paperwork. And according to John, he said, uh, no, you never asked for any extra paperwork. So he got all mad and he just decided just, to just heck with it. He withdrew. WD. That's there it. he goes. That's, That's it. It's, it's, it's <laughs> just, that is John. That's so John Daly. It's just so weird. Like, there's always something weird with Big uh, JD. So uh, the U.S. Uh, Open was a couple weeks ago now. There's still a little fallout from that. Uh, Phil Mickelson, of course, was... You know, as, a, as much as Brooks Kepka win was in the news, the setup of the golf course mm-hmm. and Phil Mickelson's maneuver. So, so let me ask you, what what did you think of what Phil Mickelson did? I, you know what? Look, he's finally admitting what actually happened is that yeah. he got frustrated, and rightfully so. We all get frustrated like that, and he lost his cool and made a bad decision. Um, that's all it was. You know, it is a two shot penalty, so he accepted the two shot penalty. He should have been DQ'd though. You know, it's that it's that simple. Like, it, you know, everybody that says this is a black mark on Phil's legacy is that's a joke. It's not. He made a bad decision. Everybody makes bad decisions on golf courses, and it's just the fact that he wasn't DQ just proves what happens in golf, like other sports. Star treatment. Um, if it was a lesser player or a local qualifier, they might have been DQ'd. Um, I think. I think yeah. I think I think three things happened wrong. First of all, the first thing that happened wrong was that Phil ran after the ball and hit it while it was moving. Right. I think the second thing that happened that was wrong was that Phil came out and told up this cockamamie story about that he knew the he, rule. It, he wanted to avoid uh, you know he the, he wanted to avoid the ball going back down and he figured this was the best way to do it to save two two shots or whatever. And he made up that story that he's now admitted, you know, wasn't really true. If he just come out and said what he said on Monday of this week about you know, look, I lost my cool. And I think everyone would have laughed, and we would have forgotten yeah. about it, and it would have been fine. And then the third thing, I agree. I, I think that the USGA uh, applied the, the wrong rule, but it's it's like LeBron doesn't get called fouls in right. the NBA. You know, I mean, it's it's Phil. Look at the only the only guy to get called for a slow play penalty at the Masters was that fourteen year old kid a few years ago. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so uh, I agree. I think it's star treatment, and I think I do think in a couple of years people will forget this in terms of being a black mark. I think people will laugh at it. Yeah, I think it'd be kind I, of a funny thing. I, I laughed when I first I I first was like, "What the heck?" It was more like a "What the are you doing?" And then I started. Then I was laughing because I'm like, "This is hilarious." Um, you know, I, you never see that out of Phil Mickelson, really. Um, something like that, and you know, again, he's been at the USGA book course setup for what four or five years now. Oh yeah, um, yeah. And he clearly wasn't happy with the setup, which again. They lost the course again at Shinnecock. So maybe don't go back to Shinnecock because you can't really set up the course properly. That's a separate story. But I, I think it's just – I think it'll be it'll be one of those things that's played on top ten lists all the time. And it'll right. be, it will be laughing at it. But, like, you know, everybody took this thing way too seriously. He, so made, wait, a, the- he made a mistake. He paid – he got penalized, and he could have been penalized more. And we can talk about whether he should have been penalized more, which – I think he should have been disqualified. It's just, it's the way it is. But well, <laughs> one a, a pro who, uh, not a Ryder Cup pro, but a, a U.S. pro I was talking to after, I said I wouldn't use his name, but he said, wouldn't it be cool if uh, Phil was in the Ryder Cup and his partner, let's say they were playing alternate shot and his partner hits one like that and Phil just waits down below and just hits it back before, you know, like if it runs past the cup, instead right. of waiting for it to stop, he just goes up and stop, taps it in. That would be cool in the Ryder Cup, he said. <laughs> <laughs> so the jokes are already coming out. Exactly. And, and and beef, you know, beef Johnson, bless his heart. He was laughing. He, you know, yep. he told the story about how he came off and said, 
Oh man, I'm I'm so sorry, you know, I, I for laughing, but I couldn't help it. That's the craziest thing I've ever seen. And uh, I don't know. I think uh, I think as, after a while, it'll be one of those things. He'll be remembered for it, but I don't think it'll yeah. be a black mark. But like you know, you got a guy who's won forty tournaments or so, or what? However many PGA tournaments he's won, um, he's one of the most popular guys out there. He's won five majors. Yeah, this is going to be a mark, but you know, it's a you know, do we? You know, it's not like John Daly, where John Daly is a perfect example because he's done this before. He's done that same thing uh, before. But you know, those sort of things happen to him regularly. They don't happen to Phil regularly. So, no. No, you know, right. it's just one of those moments that he lost his cool, and you know, he paid a two-shot penalty price for it, and we move on. Okay. Um, so last. So so moving on. We're gonna move on. Yeah. <laughs> last week, on. last week, uh, Bubba Watson wins. Mm-hmm. That's his third event of the year. That's uh, after coming off basically a pretty horrible year last year, where he didn't win, had five top tens, but they were all kind of early. Uh, had that that sickness, whatever it was, you know, yep. the illness, um, the ball. Yeah, and he, he hates that question. But, I know. Man. Well, I don't think he wants to throw Volvic under the bus, right? Right. So, but it, like, all of a sudden, he's got three wins. Yeah, and he's thirteenth in the world, and he's playing a titleless ball. But here's my question to you: Why doesn't uh, why doesn't he get more consideration when we talk about major championships? You know, like ahead of the British Open or the PGA or something mm-hmm. like that. We always mention Dustin Johnson and Jason Day, and and we never really talk about Bubba except maybe at the Masters where he's won twice. Right. And I know his record isn't great; like he's missed the cut five of the last seven British Open, so maybe mm-hmm. that's not the right one for him. But um, but it's weird, isn't it? Or five of the last seven U.S. Opens, I think it is. Anyway, it's weird that we don't kind of consider him as one of those elite players. Is it because he's just too up and down? Yeah, I think I think that's exactly it. But I also think what, what Bubba does that most players don't do is he kind of takes himself out of a tournament early if he doesn't like how the course is set up. Like, and that's not just even at majors. That's you know, right. it's 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 at regular tour events. If he doesn't like the setup. He says it, and then right away he's out of that tournament. So I think, you know, obviously Augusta, with his length and the way he shapes the ball, it fits him. Yeah. yeah. You know, so he's comfortable at Augusta National. The second, you know, time, the second time he won the tournament, that shot he hit on 13, you know, he went like over top right. of the corner. Uh, so I got to play in the draw that year. That was my right. year when I finally got to play. And it was so far down the hole... And um, the the caddies, who hadn't been on the course since the tournament, obviously the the local caddies, they all went down to try and find the divot. They wanted to see the divot where Bubba hit his shot from, and they think they found it. Right. And I can tell you, it was like the most incredible tee shot I've ever seen. Right. What the height of the trees he went over, uh, the length that he hit it, and where he ended up with just like a little sand wedge into that green. Man, I mean that guy has more shots than just about anybody. Right, and it's crazy, and that, and you know, you can. He can, you know, the, his shots at a gut like are legendary. That one, and then the hook out of the trees and the playoff on his first win in 2012. You know, like that that stuff is crazy. But he does get frustrated with course setups, and at U.S. Opens in particular, he gets, um, he gets frustrated with countries too. Remember, he went, he went over to Paris to play that's right, on the European that's tour right. and didn't have very good, anything good things. Well, he's going to have to kind of eat that one because uh, obviously he's going to be going back to Paris. Right, in, uh, for late the September, Ryder early Cup. October for the Ryder Cup, where he'll be. I mean, remember how much he loves that last time he when he didn't get a captain's pick, he asked to be an assistant captain. That's was, right. That's right. It was pretty interesting. Well, it is his of his twelve wins. He's won three times at the Travelers. 
He's won three times at Genesis. He's and won twice two, at Augusta. And he's won two majors at Augusta. And he's also won right. two World Golf Championship events, right? Including That's this right. year. So right. he's a big time player. That's why I think sometimes he doesn't get enough credit for for what he does uh, on the golf course. But he is a certainly a different guy. And I find it's funny. Some of my colleagues, you know, don't have good times with Bubba when they're interviewing him. I've mm-hmm. always I've always had great. He's always been really good. He's always offered up good responses. Canadian yep. Open when he comes or whenever else I see him. And um, I find he's interesting. He doesn't always give you the stock on stock answer. Uh, he thinks a little bit, or I don't know, his mind's racing, and he spits out whatever's in there. Sometimes <laughs> could be one That's or the right. other, but but I know some people have had some some run-ins with him. So he's uh, yeah, he is run-ins. he is temperamental. He can be temperamental, and you know that was early on in his career. You know, him and his caddy had how many times did him and Ted Scott have yeah have battles on the course, and they finally had to talk to him and tell him to calm down, and he has. But he can That's be right. temperamental, and he's a different guy. You know, he's he's just one of those different guys that you got to get used to, but. Yeah, I, I know. I know people. People have uh, had their run-ins with him. We've seen it. But uh, yeah, you know, I I don't recall any bad, anything bad in the times that we've been together interviewing no, Bubba. No. Um, of course, his wife's from but, Toronto. Wife's from Toronto. Right. Shout out to uh, her. She played for Canada in the uh, Olympics in basketball, and uh, she uh, actually plays in the pro am pretty much every year at the Canadian Open when they come back. Uh, right. Her and her dad, I think they tee it up with one of the groups. Bubba buys a spot, which is nice of him. And he also, hey, listen, Bubba donated two hundred thousand dollars to the charity at the Travelers right. Doctors Win. So pretty decent all around guy, I think. Yeah, like and he, he he's very he is very charitable, and he's you know he's all over the place with uh, you know with with uh, charity charity stuff, and he know, owns, owns a, he a owns baseball a, team. He owns a candy store. Does he really? Yeah, it's not weird. It is weird. You know, it's just a little like you go in there and you buy all sorts of candies and stuff like that. I don't know what that story is there, but <laughs> anyway, that's Bubba. Yeah, um, and, uh, so yeah, I think I just think he mentally takes himself out of tournaments, and that's why people don't talk because you th- you think about course length and everything for you know U.S. Opens and everything. Oh, this is a bomber's course. Well, he's a bomber. Yeah. That's but right. you never really talk about you talk about DJ and you talk yeah. about Rory and you talk about Jason Day the other bombers. So it's a valid question, but I do think he takes himself out of tournaments mentally. All right. Well, uh I guess we'll wrap it up here and um don't forget we're going to I'm going to play now the interview I did with Michael Mahoney from from Titleist talking about uh I'm going to as my dog, my dog's decided to come here and have a visit here. Maverick, the, he, uh, he wanted to talk. Mav wanted to talk about. He Bubba. wants. To, he wants to win the golf balls. He likes to chew the balls, but I'm not giving him the new ones. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, uh, we'll play that interview with Michael Mahoney talking all about the AVX golf ball from Titleist. Don't forget to send us your answers as to the craziest shot you've hit this year, and it's got to be legit. Don't make anything up because we'll have a right. we'll have a truth test on it. Send it to at TSN Golf or at Bob Weeks TSN. And we'll hashtag those... it bump and run. And... Yes, that's right. You have to hashtag it bump and run. And, and then we will. Uh, we'll and put the and next by week. the way, uh, by the way, um, I want to call out another podcast on the TSN network for using our uh, M4 giveaway criteria. They stole that from us. Which pod would that be? I don't know what it's called. <laughs> the the Rubber Gloves podcast, I think, or something <laughs> like that. They gave away an M4 driver, and they used the same criteria we did. I'm calling, um, I'm calling copyright on ours. That's right. So we'll see what happens. Anyway, uh, until uh, next time, um, I'm Run, and I'm Bump. Get those, uh, get those stories into us. Enjoy. See you next time. Enjoy the interview. Uh, Michael Mahaney, uh, 
I know your last name is spelled it. There's said a number of different ways. I hope I got close that time. You're good. Uh, a new a new launch for Titleist, and that's always big news because you don't just bring out golf balls all over the place. But give me a little background on what inspired you or what led you to to release the AVX. So AVX is built on um, a lot of different technologies, some of which have been things we've been playing around with for literally over a decade. Um, ultimately, it's driven both by those innovations, but also are watching the market and talking to golfers. One of the things we've certainly seen as a trend has been the desire for high-performance, softer-feeling golf balls. Soft has definitely been a buzzword in the industry. But what we've always seen from a performance standpoint is that generally soft is the enemy of performance. Um, and so um, we were not going to bring something to market, particularly at the high end, unless it met golfers' needs. Typically, the golf balls that are out there today suffer that fate. They're soft, but they are often short and lack the spin and control you need. So through a number of different innovations um, that all show up in ABX, we're able to deliver a golf ball that is softer than Pro V1 and Pro V1X um, in terms of its compression, but maintains its speed at the high end and delivers the short game spin and control golfers want. And ultimately, that's what's compelling about ABX, is, it, is that what, that's what you get in this golf ball. So if I'm a guy who plays the Pro V1 or the Pro V1X right now, how am I going to find this ball? Yeah, so I, I would say, first and foremost, I would say most people who are playing Pro V1 and Pro V1X are probably going to stay with the product that they're in. Um, but if you are you are playing um, Pro V1 and you try AVX, what you're going to find is that compared to Pro V1, it is lower flight, lower spin, and feels softer. Um, and that would certainly be true with X as well, because X, compared to Pro V1, is higher spin, higher flight, firmer feel. So Pro V1 is really smack dab in the middle. Um, it's the product that we think fits the majority of golfers. Um, but those two options, X and AVX, now provide sort of two unique fitting options. One with higher spin, higher flight, firmer feel. One in AVX, lower flight, lower spin, softer feel. So in essence, you're saying that a lot of Pro V1 people will probably stay with Pro V1. So the golfers who are going to use AVX are probably coming from some other golf ball? Certainly what we saw in the test market. Now, of course, in this segment of the market where Pro V1 and Pro V1X are um, the most played ball, I mean, they're the most played ball, period, um, we're always going to get pro those players trying this, and we saw that. But the large number of players playing a competitive product who came in and said, not that I don't want to play a Titleist, it's just I'm looking for something that is a little bit different. So AVX does represent for us something we feel like was an unmet need in the market. Um, and particularly when golfers who have been playing a competitive product come and play this, they do see significantly improved performance. I mean, AVX really delivers when it comes to performance of the golf ball. Um, you know, the, the consistent feedback we get on the iron distance in particular, um, the consistent feedback on how soft it is and consistent it is, it's, it's, been, uh, it's been fun. Now, the feedback you're getting, of course, is because you did do a, a test market yeah. in, uh, in three states in the United States last year. Now, the skeptic out there might say, that's a really good marketing plan. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> a good way to, yeah. to launch it out there. But, but this really was a test market, wasn't it? it it was. I mean, I, I and I will tell you this: as as a you know, part of my job is product, part of my job is marketing. As a marketing guy, um, 
I would have loved the, to have said back August last year, we're going to do this test market, but it's really just, you know, it's sort of to seed the marketplace, because we would have been preparing much differently. We would have been much more prepared for this. We've been running around with our hair on fire for the last four months, trying to get ready to launch this golf ball. But we, we did, we put it into a test market because we wanted to learn not only what it was like, uh, how it was received, when golfers actually had to go out and purchase the product. You know, it's one thing to receive a test sleeve of golf balls and go out and, and, and tell us what you think. But when you, you're forced to say, is that worth my hard-earned money to try? That was step one, but um, our research project around uh, AVX, one of the things that we did, we did a number of different pieces, but one of the things we did is we had an insert card in every dozen, and we incentivized um, those golfers to come and fill out a survey, but it was a two-phased survey, so they came uh, and they would fill out an initial survey to tell us why they bought it, what appealed to them, um, what they were currently playing, and then in order to, to receive the incentive, we followed up with them a month later, sent them another survey and said, Okay, you've now had it for a month, you've played it, would you buy it again? Why would you buy it again? Why wouldn't you buy it again? You know, what were the performance characteristics you saw compared to your and your current ball? That was really telling for us, and to be able to learn that gave us confidence and ultimately helped us make the decision that AVX, positioned at this place in the marketplace, under that name, um, this particular performance of the golf ball was the right fit. Well, you own the premium category in uh, golf balls already. This seems like it might uh, take you even a step further. I guess that's the that's the objective. Well, yeah, and I think the objective is always to say if we can, you know, that that whole notion that if there is an unmet need for golfers, we want to be there for them, um, and uh, and we think that this product does that. So yeah, it, it's it. It's always along the lines of if we can we can deliver something that helps golfers play better golf, and I think for a segment of the market, this is going to do that. Congratulations. Thanks, Bob.